Big news, uh, Handsome Patrick is back with us. Hi. Hi, Handsome. He's, hey. uh, he doesn't look particularly tanned, but... No, uh, I didn't tan at all. Looks Why? like he's had a lot of tropical I, sex. It's not for the lack of trying, you dick. <laughs> Why? I sat out in the sun. I burned. Your body just doesn't... Not very smart. No. It doesn't, it doesn't tan. You're I am just the, too relentlessly white. I am. Have you seen the movie Powder? It's another <laughs> great Kevin Smith film. Top Do you body. have any idea how many times I've been called powder and you're going to appropriate powder I for yourself? So that I can see you get this angry and uh, it's working. Yeah. Congratulations. Uh, no, great, but I've missed, I've missed the clergy. It's good to be back. Uh, joining us tonight to talk about Emil, Emil. Oh boy, uh, doesn't matter. Who cares what his name is? Yeah, Emilio Estevez. Everyone. <laughs> joining us tonight to talk about French President Emilio Estevez and former portrayer of what was what was Bobby Kennedy? What was his highest rank? He's uh, a senator, attorney general. Attorney general. Uh, no, the, the attorney closer in the line of succession for sure. Oh yeah. yeah. That's a good point. Uh, We're talking about Emilio McCrone. Doug is about to mispronounce Emily's name. It's actually Emily Lever. Rhymes with Emily Cleaver. Doug had a steel reserve for dinner, so uh, you can't blame him. Uh, To talk about Emmanuel McCrone and the state of emergency is Emily Lever. Rhymes with Clever. A writer based in D.C. who has written about French culture, French politics, and French hip-hop. Four publications, uh, including Jezebel, Vice, Vocative, and Esquire. Hello, Emily. What's up? Hi. Yo. <laughs> this is, uh, these are, uh, these are my, my, my podcast buddies. Uh, handsome Patrick, Handsome Jacob, and then Doug. Handsome Doug. No, 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 no. no. Hi. Um, Emily, uh, do you have any epithets that you would like to be uh, known? I mean, you know, ha- handsome Patrick. Um, oh, can I uh, ask this right, one? Right. Uh, Snarls- like oh. episode, the wine dark Emily. <laughs> the good? Right, right. Goth Emily. <laughs> let's just, yeah, let's just goth Emily. It's October. Yeah. It's seasonal. Okay, well, yeah. s- speaking okay, of gotcha. that, I am uh, just off the bat. I'm curious to know. How, uh, how the making it part of faking it with your leather jacket is going? Oh, um, in 2014, I really, I really, you yeah, wrote a piece. I when I faked it all the way, or I don't know, I've made it. I guess it's very. Right. Is it working uh, now? Yeah, it's basically become a part of my body. That jacket. Um, I actually acquired a new one that's like you know it's the perfecto with a little like zippers and things, so it's more leather jackety and like more of a fashion statement. And I have been able to to wear it without feeling like I'm putting on a costume. So I feel like I've made it. It spoke to me on a deep level as someone who has always walked into thrift shops and been like, if I were a better, cooler person. I would absolutely buy that leather jacket 
But the moment I put it on, I would feel like I was like attending a Ren fair and I had no idea what the conventions <laughs> were and I just done it totally wrong, you know? And so I feel that. I feel yeah. that. I think it depends yes. on the jacket. I think you have yeah. to ease into it. Like you can't just wear like a really aggressive bikery jacket if you're <laughs> you know, you have to have an entry level leather jacket. That's okay. Funny. So they're like You've advanced to a new degree of difficulty, in effect. Like with the zippers now, you've leveled up. Yeah, yeah totally. And it's like light gray. Oh, you know, cool. it's like a whole thing. So, as someone who has gone to numerous Renaissance fairs in my teenage years, okay, well, it's part one of an analogy. Um, I'm saying you can get by at a Ren fair. As long as you just say huzzah enough, you know, it's like the secret word that makes you fucking work. What's the secret word that you had to incorporate into your day to day vernacular that allowed the jacket to work? Like, uh, probably just a brooding silence. Mm. I, <laughs> I would just say jacket. <laughs> <laughs> Both are good words. Silence, very good. Jacket, better. Jacket. So, uh, Emily, we, we brought you here to talk about. This thing called France. So, what is France? Take us back to the beginning. <laughs> it's the worst country. Um, Maybe like. But, uh, just kidding. Um, so, in the antiquity, uh, Julius Caesar uh, conquered France, and he saw. So, I'm. Heard of him. One thing I know about this is from Asterix, by the way. Yeah. So, I'm gonna tell you what I know from comic book Asterix. I had an English a, translation of that as a child. <laughs> All right, yeah. Really good. It's a classic. Yeah, basically, um, you know, the Gauls, who are not yet the French, were um, subjugated by Julius Caesar, but he was like, oh, but, like, they put up a good fight. And, you know, like, they depict this one little village of Gaulish people who are, like, fighting back against, um, you know, the invader. And I feel like French people really identify with that because they think that they're like so irreverent and that they're the underdogs, that they're always like against authority. Maybe that's where it starts. You know, they were subjugated <laughs> by the Romans, they're like the underdog. Do they um, still hate Italians and Romans in particular, or is that? Um, I don't know. When the Italians came to France in like, you know, the like the beginning of the 20th century and through the 80s, like Seems like it was not super chill for Italians because also they some of them look racially ambiguous. So then, it, you know, <laughs> there's uh, a little bit of tension there. Um, one of the most famous French rappers, uh, Akhenaton, is um, Italian, but he converted to Islam. So then, like, he, he became a different racial category, but he talks about how Italians are like, uh, you know, we're stereotyped when he was growing up and kind of put in a in a category that wasn't quite like people of color, but not quite white. I don't know. So Islam, like swarthy. Islam yeah. plus Italy is French. Um, I guess, yeah. Well, um, let's go with aggressive silence movie. <laughs> very off topic. Put your put your leather jacket on anytime that you don't want to answer a question. <laughs> Okay, yeah, the, just like a veil of silence. There is a kind of interesting overlap of like cultural, ethnic, and religious categories in France, right? Because like 
like lazy Catholicism is still kind of a thick, like not high effort Italian Catholicism, but like a kind well, of yeah. high they, effort. They got the Pope. No, lazy Catholicism is a thing. The high effort Catholicism exists also, and it's usually like you know extremely homophobic. Okay, like activists. Uh-huh. So. Yeah, during like Hollande, the one like the one good thing he did during his um, François Hollande, the president of France from 2012 to 2017, um, the kind of one good thing he did in his term was uh, marriage equality, which was called Marriage for All. And then a bunch of Catholics um, had this movement called the Protest for All that was anti uh, gay marriage. It fucking sucks. Some of us are protesting what some of us don't. Never mind. <laughs> so it was, it was kind of your your blue lives matter in a way, but yeah, yeah, like well, I don't know. Yeah, I think that they oh, felt that their culture was under attack or something. They're also really now really against artificial insemination being opened up huh. to not just straight couples but also uh, single women and women in non-straight couples. So, you know, just all around great Christian uh-huh. people. I wonder yeah. how you, uh, like, what's the, what's the test that you give people to establish their, their sexual uh, identity before you artificially inseminate them? <laughs> like, right, right. Yeah, no, what if, yeah, what if you're married to a, what if a woman is married to a dude, but she's bi? What yeah, happens? Yeah. It's a little bit like Trump's when when Trump got asked about the travel ban and he was like, mm-hmm. how are you going to enforce that? Are you just going to ask people if they're Muslim? His response was basically like, well, yeah, I think that would be the way to do it. Right. You just. Yeah. And, and there's something just so quaint and charming about the idea that like the people who are scary, they're so they're, the things about them that are so scary that they go to the very core of who they are so they can't even deny it if you ask them you know like we can't yeah. give artificial insemination to a a lesbian <laughs> I, I still like uh i still like jeb bush's answer on these things when pushed about the uh, the christian examination of the border when you know and Please and all he did was uh so so how can you tell and he went nah i think you can tell well, the Quran says you're not allowed to lie, so you just ask them. But uh, you know, what what's the lesbian Quran? I think that's what Trump's trying to figure it's out. It's called the traveling sister. Wait, <laughs> would that be the holy called, grail uh, for this administration? The lesbian Quran? Would that be like? Yeah, I would read a book called the Lesbian Quran. <laughs> totally, like pretty. Okay. Lit. That was our soft pitch. We're writing it. Really? Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. on. Spec Emily for thinks it's a good idea. Really we're, it's, we're, we're it's hoping not, that Tignatar will bankroll us. Uh, you know, we're sending it to a people. It's not so much a book as a screenplay. Uh, so keep that no. in mind. It's a direct art experience, actually. <laughs> Multimedia world. Kind of an immersive thing called the oh, lesbian. An installation, if you will. Yeah. 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 Exceptional. It's, it's a food basket. <laughs> So I prepared thousands and thousands of questions. I'm glad. And uh, I'm going to ask one if that's okay well, with everyone. Well, I think I think so. I think Doug started something that we should continue. Oh sure, sure. I was uh, is, uh, I was drinking. And that is, you know, we 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 center this podcast around the all holy, the all magnificent Kevin Smith, and he's a writer that we've complimented several times. 
uh, on on all of our podcasts. And you know, I, I think bringing in another writer, uh, Emily, I, I I I regret to inform you that you're not quite near. You're nowhere near the level. Jesus. Ad, but I think we should do what we've done about Kevin. Are you nagging me? <laughs> that was exactly the word that came to mind for me. No, I think uh, I think I think keep that, working, um, jacket. I think that we should know. I think uh, I think that we should. I, I <laughs> spent a little bit of time today reading a couple of uh, your articles, and I wanted to go around the table, and we were all going to say something uh, that we liked about anything that we had, had read up or anything like that, just to put you on the spot <laughs> because. Good. You are our guest, and uh, we should we should welcome you. Um, and I was just reading your article about Jeff Sessions. Oh, uh, yeah, and, and the Sessions update, and uh, oh. the article about that he's actually good. And there was a line in there that was just quite brilliant, and it was uh, um, arresting the youth. Or I, I forgive me for butchering your your very well written uh, quote, but uh, uh, arresting arresting youth in America saves us taxpayer dollars because we won't be spending them on their education and. Um, that's that's uh, incredibly relevant to this episode because you're about to just find out how dumb even the people who once considered themselves smart Americans are. <laughs> um, so, Emily, I wanted to do that because I wanted to uh, provide for anyone who may listen to this, <laughs> um, a sort of a, sort of background is that you're obviously very well versed in uh, American politics and like and and and. and culture and, and social tensions and these things. But um, I mean, for the purview of this conversation, I think like it's going to be really important to talk about your perspective as a dual citizen, uh, especially with France. And like, you know, to mention it a little bit more seriously other than like, hey, tell us about the Gauls. Um, right, right. No, so, no, no, no. Yeah. Actually, don't listen to anything you said. Tell us about the Gauls again. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know nothing about the Gauls. That really exhausts all my knowledge of the Gauls. Just I one feel like Swiss are historically accurate, I'm afraid. Okay, so I have a question. Uh, the state of exception tends increasingly to appear as the dominant paradigm of government in Jumping contemporary right in. politics. Nespa? Wait, the state of exception what? <laughs> uh, tends increasingly to appear as the dominant paradigm of government in contemporary politics. Oh, yeah. No, I think that's, yeah, I think that's true. Or rather that, you know, they start out as like, oh, this is an exception. These are extraordinary circumstances. And then it just stays that way. That's how Julius Caesar became, uh, right? <laughs> yeah, See, the dictator. Yeah, I thought. Uh, and yeah, this is Giorgio Agamben. I thought we were just gonna shit all over an Italian for being wrong, yeah. but I guess he's. Right, so <laughs> of let's go course, an Italian would say that, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So anyway, um, I, am uh, I wanted to ask. Uh, ask the KY. <laughs> let's get ready for some intense, serious. Ed. No, sorry. Anyway, sorry, Alex. <laughs> I was doing white America. Um, no, I'm just I'm just thinking of questions in my mind. I haven't. I mean, like you're talking more about the state of emergency. I feel like I didn't actually say much of anything about it. No, yeah. I mean, this. Uh, well, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll circle well, it wasn't around. Wasn't much okay, of a cool. question, in fairness. Yeah, yeah. It's like here, here's a quote. What do you think about it? Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. let's start with let's start with a guy. Uh, yeah, if that's all right. Can we, uh, Manny Mac? Can we? Can yeah, we yeah. So Emilio Estevez, the president of France. Okay, so during uh, the election um, in America, like I was saying earlier, um, off screen, uh, we sort of like made these parallels that probably don't really uh, hold up to any close scrutiny uh, for the French election where uh, uh, Marine Le Pen was Trump because she's a fucking fascist and uh, Melanchon was Bernie because he's extreme left 
extreme. Uh, and uh, Macron was Eminem. It was was Eminem, the centrist Eminem. Manny Mac. Yeah, he had no swag. Yeah, I mean, he's like a Macron seemed like a like a like a Trudeau sort of guy, you know, like right. he's, right. he's kind of handsome sure. and like Eminem Manuel, right? Yeah, which always makes me think of like softcore porn. Um, me too. And yeah, yeah. It's because of the softcore porn Emmanuel series that we watched as kids, Doug. Yeah, um, I think you nailed it. Yeah. Where, that. where, where does that like stupid like American? Uh, I, I can't understand France <laughs> without understanding America analogy. Sort of like end because to me, like it, he was never Hillary. Uh, Macron was uh, not. And it, again, apologies for like speaking with such. American accents on even the simplest French word, uh, but like he he seemed Clean like, he's a little he's a little Trump to him, you know. He's kind of like some random guy who just appeared, and yeah, you know, and he's got like he's like a like a bank. He's so uh, rude. Like, so so classic. Yeah, kind of yeah. a kind of yeah. Wait, he's, he's, tell he's to- Okay, I, so I have two main things. The first, okay, I have like a couple of points. Firstly, like. You know, I think the fact that Americans want to understand French politics through the lens of American politics, you know, they people also thought that Brexit was like a sort of dress rehearsal for the U.S. election. You know, I feel like it's a product of not having media that, um, that you know, that covers international politics with depth. Yeah, um, that was the trilogy, Brexit, Trump, uh, France. Yeah, and it was kind of like the little... Um, you know, a little swerve at the end. <laughs> Le Pen um, was like I'm, a horse losing yeah. the Kentucky Derby, right? Like to not get the triple crown. Oh. Totally. Le Pen was a horse. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I think the comparison is fair to some extent. Um, you know, because Marine Le Pen is like, I mean, she's very much like Trump. I think she's like just kind of smarter than Trump. Um, a better like someone who's a better analog to Trump in terms of like their persona would be her father Jean-Marie Le Pen who literally right. like a Holocaust denier Marine like, is like, like um yeah I think Macron is you know it's kind of like Hillary and that like he's a neoliberal technocrat um and Mélenchon is kind of like Bernie and that he's like a grumpy old leftist um, I do think, and thank you for pointing that out, Alex, that um, Macron is kind of like Trump in like some key ways and that, you know, and the metaphor kind of flattened that out. So, um, you know, he's an outsider, but he's not actually an outsider because he was minister he worked, of the right. economy, um, yeah. you know, before so, that. And was that his first big like job in government though, or no? Um, no, I think that was his first big job in government. Before that, he was um, re- a really high-ranking finance guy. Seducing yeah. teachers. Yeah. No, that, that was before. Eight, that was before. He, he, was, he was seducing uh, teachers. Apparently, yeah. when he was 17, he told Brigitte, I will marry you. And uh, 20 years later, he did. That's so or 10 wrong. years. That's uh, rom-com. That's handsome, let's... Uh, let's definitely- Let's save the let's save the cougar part for later because I want to hear more yeah. about about like <laughs> is like you mentioned that he could be he's like rude like can you describe his sort of social persona? Um, so he's not rude to everybody, but he is rude to like workers. So, for example, recently 
these workers were on strike because their um, their factory where they worked at was going to be outsourced. So yeah, they were protesting. Um, and then Macron said, "Well, those people, instead of causing a ruckus, they should go for look for a job at the factory next door." Jesus. Um, you know, not the most that's, sympathetic that's cool. thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's this other. Oh, yeah. He said that, like, basically his opponents um, were just like people who were lazy and who, like, they disagreed with his policies because they were lazy and, like, that his policies were about putting people to work. Um, you know, like, like what people call slip ups that, like, you know, are not really slip ups. Uh, he talked yeah. about how, like, in Africa, which, of course, is a country. Right, we all know that. Um, country, like yeah. Africa, like the problem of development is like civilizational, mm. and you know it's all because women have seven or eight kids. That yeah. um, Africa has all of these problems. Um, yeah, he just like seems like kind of a dick. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I mean that really only happens in rural Africa, not in like the capital of Africa. Oh yeah, yeah. To be fair, there are Africa is two countries: Africa and South Africa. Right. So. right. right. No, but uh, yeah. what I was gonna say is, like, and you know, I I I have some limited interaction with French folks. Uh, women. Yeah, I didn't only meet women when I was there. But I dated a French uh, uh, national right. for mm-hmm. a minute, yeah. and uh, and just so many of the things you're describing is rude. Like I was just, I'd be interested, like Marine Le Pen or or uh, Mélenchon. Like maybe I don't know. I I would just assume that everybody is rude is, in France, rude and and like racist dicks. Like they're yeah. all kind yeah. of. Yeah, the of French politics is a little bit different, but. Like those were statements that were shocking to other French people. Okay, that that's really interesting to me because so many of uh, the encounters I had with French people when they would say something, I would be like, "That's not okay." Like that is straight did, fucking did, racism. Did this French person just call me a wigger? <laughs> yeah, like, but like, straight up, like that's fucking racism. What you just said, and they're like, "No, nah, I'm just, I'm just sort of being blunt. I'm being honest. I'm not saying anything that's incorrect. I'm not saying anything." That I don't have any hate in my heart for these people that I'm mm-hmm. kind of That's mocking, right. but I'm just I'm speaking yeah. the truth that I'm not doing this politically correct bullshit. But so the, to hear that that French people were actually taken aback by it is that central. They were more offended by the classism than the racism. So, so yeah, the classism of like, oh, these people are lazy, like these people are causing a ruckus. There's one other thing he said where he gave a speech at like a train station being inaugurated and he said well in a train station you um you cross paths with like those who are successful and those who are nothing too which is you know okay so this is really interesting to me and yeah the classism was like people kind of like you know there was like a whole media cycle about each of these things the racism was kind of like oh no he's taking out of context no 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 like the video was sliced together from different parts of his speech like i'm sorry i don't care what was in between sure Things he said. Yeah, so I agree with you. Just, just to get a kind of pulse of, of something, saying anything about all of a of a of a certain culture is is that okay to all French people? <laughs> no, but I'm saying I, without 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 trying to characterize an entire, you know, the Gaul the Gaulish nation. Yeah, but would you say that <laughs> uh, that French culture is more sensitive? 
to classism than racism in your experience? Um, I think, I think yes. You know how like there's this American thing where you're like fiscally conservative and socially liberal. Well, in France, I think it's the reverse. People are like socially conservative. So like, you know, they'll say racist and like homophobic and sexist shit all the time. But like everyone pretty much is in favor of, of like a robust yeah. social safety net and things like that. That's does, awesome. is, does that stem from like the revolution? I mean, yeah, it was like, gonna, I was going to ask. I don't, ask I don't think so. I don't know. Well, the <laughs> yeah. revolution was kind of yeah. I'm not sure. It's like the, the economics, you know, like, equality, liberty, fraternity, all that. Uh, so they they, uh, the, they have like a real like class consciousness, uh, quote unquote, that America doesn't really have. Uh, well, America might not have a class consciousness because like. You know they read they red baited the shit out of everybody. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. In the That's in the twentieth century, but I like, would counter that it's because we're all middle class, no matter how little money we make. We're, we're middle class waiting. in our hearts here. <laughs> well, yeah. That's the no, most but, important criteria. Well, Doug brings up a good point, though. Is is I mean, like at least the rhetoric we're seeing from the right is all about that classical liberalism and that idea of like liberty and property and you know but it's only the the lock isms you know all these things about what you've worked for and what you've earned and that's what makes you a fucking american um and i that's i was gonna ask uh farley yeah and guns i was gonna ask far less eloquently than, than both jacob and alex but like where you saw the distinction um uh, between, you know, focusing much more on equality of class rather than equality of ethnicity uh, in France and where you saw the uh, origination of this. And um, it might be yeah, way I too deep. Yeah. Like, I don't, I mean, that might be more time than we actually you, have. You've been alive for 300 years. Tell yeah, right. <laughs> um, I mean, I can like, you know, give you a hypothesis that I just came up with on this spot right now, but... Um, oh, please. That's yeah, what we um, do here. You know, America had like a past... Uh, like a racial past that like you know you really can't ignore like how fucked up it is um and also like there's like a, a more substantial number of like non-white people who have been able to like organize themselves yeah. like into, and you know form their own institutions um and have and wield their own political power and so like they've been able to push that conversation forward more and in France that hasn't really taken place um why is that um, Besides the number of people, like, demographic. There are, I mean, like, is it is it because in America there's this myth of a melting pot, and if you assimilate and you become like American, there's no American ethnicity the way there's like a French ethnicity, right? Like in France, you're you're always a French Chinese person or a French Arab, you know. Like, but in America, you have this idea that you just become an American, even if like. The America at large does not see you that way. Doug's middle class idea, right? It's well, earned. It's but there, not born. There's also there's no American analog to Algeria, right? Where there is actually a sort of hybrid um, identity, an ethnic identity that's like both French and not French. Yeah, for some well, people, also, like the dominant group in France is like the group that's actually indigenous to France. Which is not the case in America. Like, you know, a lot of people, uh, you know, there are quite a lot of people. What do you mean? Who, um, who can trace, like, their origins back to, like, the 17th century or whatever um, 
in like a village somewhere. Yeah, the first people who killed Indians. Yeah. Right, right. The very um, first wave. So, so yeah, I think maybe that has to do with it that France is like, you know, more accustomed to being homogeneous, even though that's kind of false because immigration has always existed. There's a really cool museum in Paris, like the Museum of Immigration. It's dope. You should all go there if you have the chance. But let's go, guys. Um, all right, cut, cut, going. <laughs> all right, all right, pack Very it up. Soon. Are we going to France? We're going to France. Yeah. Uh, are we going to, to American Algeria, a.k.a. Puerto Rico? True. Uh, Shots fired. Uh, let's not, let's not. Although French Puerto Rico is Guiana, really. But we don't, yeah. Um, there's still a French Puerto Rico, unfortunately. But so uh, is American Algeria Canada? <laughs> No, no, American Mexico. Algeria. So analog. Is, is Mexico if we never, if we kept Mexico for a longer amount of time? We did keep Mexico. It's Texas. Uh, I the antithesis of people being okay with Mexicans, though. Uh, so, yeah. Well, I mean, have you guys seen this movie, The Battle of? Never mind. Well, um, all right. So to to the to the point that that Emily so. Uh, like diligently wrote down notes and actually prepared for it. Like we should talk about the state of inception. Smooth talking um, here. Wait, wait. Can I uh, before you get real, to that. real quick? Oh, okay. No, fuck that. We shouldn't talk about it at all. No, I, th- I think he's pausing you now. Pausing him. Oh, I see. I see what you're saying. Negging, right. pausing. Just trying to coin shit. Go ahead. I, I I wanted to before we got to that. Like like one more thing about Emilio Estevez, the president of France. Um. So uh, Macron ran. What was his party's name? Because it wasn't um, a real party, right? La République en marche! Exclamation point. Okay. Um, yeah. It basically, the republic. Okay. So first, it was en marche, which means let's go. So, do you want me to like give a rundown of like the election because I can do that? Yes. Yeah. Please. Yeah. Yeah. Let's let's do the rundown. Okay. So basically. Uh, François Hollande, the outgoing president, like was super unpopular. He ended his term with an approval rating of 14%, which is lower than Nixon during Watergate. So he did not, um, you know, he did not seek re-election. Is, that, um, is it because of the terrorism or like? Uh, unemployment was like really high. Um, he kind of like campaigned as one thing and then did a completely different thing. Yeah. He was like, socialist, like the enemy of finance, and then was like really not. I heard he like another famous, fucking neolib. I heard he famously ate like thousand dollar steaks and shit. I'm, I, mean, I have not heard of that. However, uh, he had like thousand dollar haircuts for like you know two centimeters of hair. Oh, like, sorry. Jacob, Jacob I heard he steak haircuts. Sorry, I heard he fried steak. baby ducks alive. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just fucking around. Um, so is fourteen? Is fourteen like is that is that nationally the lowest that's ever? Uh, I think it's a record low. Yeah, it's a record low. Okay, yeah, because I I mean uh, being Napoleon the Third, anyone? <laughs> Look, Gallup is not an institution founded during the French Revolution, so like the poll numbers aren't great. Yeah, back in the day, like it was just like you know government officials knocking on your door asking you what you thought of. <laughs> like, what do you think of Robespierre, motherfucker? Tell me honestly. (laughs) We won't cut your head off. It's fine. We swear. Okay, back to... Yeah, so Hollande, um, you know, did not seek re-election. Macron was kind of 
he was like in the cut, like he had been kind of built up by various media, um, you know, as pretty much all ends of the political spectrum as like the golden boy. Um, he, he had like some business involvement, uh, like he's really, he, like he was really like powerful financially within the media sphere. So that's part of it. Um, but yeah, so it was Macron and then like Marine Le Pen was of course, all, as always out there, like, you know, gaining a lot of momentum. Um, and then the, 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 the two yeah. main parties didn't even really field candidates right. that mattered, which so, is- So really yeah, so the socialist party, um, this is like maybe like getting, no, I, I think I think it's pretty relevant. Like basically the socialist party, you know, as, as I kind of touched upon, became like really neoliberal. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course there were some in the socialist party who were like, hey, you know, uh, maybe we should actually be a socialist party. So those people were called les fondeurs, so kind of like the troublemakers. And in the socialist primary, the guy, Benoit Hamon, the guy who won the socialist primary was like part of that crowd. Yeah. Because like presumably the voter, like the members of the socialist party preferred him. Uh, but then, like, during the election, like, yeah, during the campaign, like, all the Socialist Party officials endorsed Macron, which, like, you know, basically they're all fucking snakes. It's like what the Democrats would do if Bernie actually won the uh, nomination. <laughs> yeah, but Bernie is on the Democratic ticket. So yeah. Imagine if Bernie was not on the Democratic ticket and was just doing his thing, and then all the Democrats were endorsing him like because they because they saw where the wind was blowing like honestly they're just a bunch of snakes and i hate them um me too i hate all snakes other noteworthy people in this race so francois fillon was like the the candidate of like the conservative party like yeah he was mined by um corruption scandals there was this meme uh like Francois give back the money. Uh, that was like the main meme um, around uh, Francois Fillon. So yeah, he he not do too well. And then Jean Luc Mélenchon, um, who was like the you know the grumpy leftist guy, mm-hmm. um, kind of like he's kind of problematic. But like we don't need to get into that. But like he was okay. Um, so yeah, I, he's, I actually he's definitely to the left of like Bernie and Corbyn, right? What was it? Would you say he's like? Would you characterize him as like to the left of? like Bernie Sanders and Jeremy Corbyn. He's definitely to the left of Bernie Sanders. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's hard to tell if he's to the left of Jeremy Corbyn because neither of them have governed. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I think Jeremy Corbyn is like maybe to the left of Mélenchon because like he's not problematic. We love Jeremy here. (laughs) Yeah, I love Jeremy too. Jezza. Okay, go on. Sorry. Yeah, so basically in the first round... I will read you the results. Um, Emmanuel Macron got 24% of the vote, um, and Marine Le Pen got 21% of the vote, and 22% of voters abstained. So really, in the second round, which is a runoff but between the top two candidates, it really should have been Emmanuel Macron and abstinence against each other those were the two most popular options those are also the two options for sexual education in america by the way (laughs) i mean i think absence would have won that in a squeaker i fucking vote ball cell every time yeah Yeah, same incel for me incel ball cell is the only non-problematic orientation the the runoff system or the two elections it's, it's really interesting like I wish we had that here sometimes. Yeah, because then you don't really have a spoiler 
situation. Although Minoshon argued that Amu, the socialist guy, was a spoiler. If you added up Minoshon and Amu's scores, you got 26%. But, like, I don't know. I feel like that's bullshit. It's cool, though, because, like, it is get, get a yeah. platform to talk yeah. about their ideas. Because, like, during the debate, for example, there were 11 candidates, and, like, they all had the same amount of speaking time by law. Yeah, yeah democracy is not uh, perfect, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> what? No, like, the way, like, uh, uh, Hillary people were so angry that Bernie decided to run against her, like... Right, well, they, they thought that, that she just was entitled to... Yeah, have yeah, she's not Obama's heir, she has to earn it. And, you know, she did earn it. She won fair and square, I guess. But, like, yeah. why? No, fair and square, totally. No, yeah. She won more votes than Bernie. I, Absolutely. I just do wish that sometimes, like, listeners could see the things. There are way more qualifiers that you were throwing at other than just, like, sort of. Because there were, like, 17 air quotes that went around everything you were saying. No, no, sure, sure. But, like, <laughs> yeah, she uh, won, maybe, uh, maybe a little. She sure. won the election. Uh, no, but she did. But like, this isn't normal, and that's, that's <laughs> fine, right? But but like, why do they? Why why are they so angry that like he stepped on her toes and did what he was supposed to do? Well, it's the same reason when he was. Why were why were a ton of Bernie people so angry after the uh, election at the but, same time? When you say that no, 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 hold on, shut up, real quick. Love you, but like, why were so many Hillary people angry that Obama won and voted for John McCain and twice the numbers that Bernie people voted for Trump? And yet, there's oh, no taking aside. I'm just saying is that but, we're, we're we all suffer from it. Okay, but this is so, okay. but this is. I mean, to some degree, I I feel like I'm I'm channeling a lot of people, and I'm just repeating something. But I feel like it's important to remind myself. Even that is just that's politics. If your person doesn't win, so often it's not about like principles and right it's about your team and if it's about power and it's about uh you know when when someone is is slandering you 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 claim all these principles and as soon as it benefits you you fucking sell out all of those yeah, principles totally. and yeah. go back against it so that's i mean at least party politics yes. that's fucking so everything no, teams I, teams oh it yeah it creates a huge issue and no like i mean look I, that might have sounded like uh, I, you know, I voted for Bernie in the primary, but I voted I for Hillary in the general. Like, it's not. I, I wasn't. We're out there. It's what the no, I mean, fuck are you guys talking about right now? It's around. I'm working this around. Well, no. Okay. I'm sorry. Yeah, okay. we do not need to relitigate the 2016 primary. <laughs> no, we have. Like, even what? unlike the shittiest podcast of I all time. Better to get yeah. away from this. Yeah. Why are like, people so mad at, at Bernie? And why did they well, vote for Hillary? No, no, guys, look, there's, no. the, the party system is like a tribal thing in America where there's Republicans and Democrats, right? But, like, what I was trying to uh, uh, ascertain is that in France for this most recent election, imagine an election in the United States where both those parties were pushed out and right. you had, like, three other candidates, a far-right candidate, a far-left candidate, and some weird amalgamation of like yeah, Lieberman, right. John McCain, yeah. right? It would be a Green Party marijuana party. But like, but uh, my question to you is like, uh, Macron is the president, uh, and he will uh, yes. be president for a while. But what's next? Like, is he going to grow his party? Is he going to like make a real party out of it? I mean, like, so he has like significant ties to 
the conservative party, which is called the Republicans. It sucks so much they have to change its name every decade or so because like people are <laughs> sick of it. I'm not kidding. <laughs> anyway, um, so the thing about the the Republicans is like 70% of uh, the voters of the Republican Party think their party should have a constructive approach with um with this, meaning they should like work with Macron and then the leadership of the of that party is not about that at all. They're really in the Sarkozy line rather than in the center right line. So unclear for the Republican Party, but it's so far like most of them are working with him. Um so it seems like he has an opportunity there. Cause like he basically agrees with the set with the the centrist wing of the Republican Party anyway. The Socialist Party, they're his lackeys, they're indistinguishable from like his party. Um, How? Why doesn't he just become a socialist then? Because um, he's not well, a socialist. Know, he like said on the because he went on the record saying he wasn't a socialist after going on the record saying that he was a socialist. Well, not an actual socialist. Being a member of the party, which they're not all socialists, so or are they? I don't know. I don't know. I think he just like doesn't care about he because he wants to like transcend labels and like be super innovative and you know and flexible and not you know and not be too like bound up in like the old ways so like that's part of it he's like dynamiting the old political system so um yeah can i so you trying silicon valley president like totally um there's this article that i clicked on and did not finish reading but basically it said that um macron was de gaulle plus silicon valley which I haven't read the article, but I'm sure that that is exact. I think that's exactly it. So like, can I, can I, I have a, a, a crackpot theory that I just kind of invented today while I was thinking that's about, what we're all about Doug. yeah. So, and, and, and like, I just, let me, it's not a question. Let me just tell you the theory and then tell me how fucking crazy I am. Um, Okay, imagine a Wes Anderson movie, you know, where everything is rigidly formal and, like, the quirks of characters are meant to kind of symbolize identities, both, like, personally and in terms of, like, the broader social categories they belong to, if, if that's a fair characterization. If that movie existed about continental democracy and American democracy... Could you have two better representations than Donald Trump and Macron, who is like, on the one hand, you have this kind of like insider rich kid who everyone thinks is an outsider because he's like crass and rude and like mean to everyone. And then on the other hand, you have this kind of like well-heeled, well-schooled, polished guy who, like, not only was, like, on an inside track for literary prizes and stuff while he was in high school, then he goes and he studies under, like, Ricoeur and fucking does a philosophy master's and then gets into investment banking and then ultimately turns into this kind of political... um juggernaut based partly on how politically polished he is right so uh, or yeah. how kind of genteel he is or like basically he was like a kind of a product designed in a designed in a lab for like right. to right. love 
if you were going yeah. to design the perfect kind of like genteel French like success story, but not an American success story, not like a Donald Trump success story, who is just this guy who like comes in and knocks everything down and is like, we're going to make it beautiful, gold everywhere. You know, you design Macron in a lab, right? Um, yeah, I think that like there's something to that, although, and I think this is kind of significant, like, so Macron actually didn't do philosophy to my knowledge he um he went to the um the institute of social um, of political science and then to the ina which is like the school of national administration and wow. he became um an inspector of finances which is like a really high-ranking bureaucrat um i feel like macron is kind of i mean as much as he is representative of like a certain france that's like very cosmopolitan and elitist um, I feel like who he represents is like uh, this very specific part of French society that loves the idea of America, um, that wants to be American, that like sends its kids to like enrichment summer programs in America mm-hmm. and thinks, oh, well, you know, in America, they really value success. Like in France, we're so prudish about money and we are, you know, with our socialist um, values, we don't. We don't really value people who are successful. Okay. Um, that, that's the person that I feel like he represents. Because there's so many French people like that, especially in the French expat community here. They're the worst. Well, let me just like, okay, as a tag to that, like most of what I know about French culture comes from the American humanities, which is like sort of, it, there's a deep fetish for like, the Ecole system and like, oh, well, Jacques Derrida failed stuff. And as far as I know, and this is based on like research that I've done over the past 36 hours, um, Macron did a thesis on Machiavelli and Hegel, but failed (laughs) to get into the Ecole Normale Superior twice. So he did study under Paul Ricoeur and did a master's in philosophy, but then quickly transitioned to Finance and bureaucracy. Oh, I, so I thought the, you said the Sciences Po. What? Yeah, what's the Sciences Po? So yeah, was, was of Sciences Po. I don't know. Uh, How did he have a master's if he was at, if he was doing grad work at the political science? Well, I know that's he's I know important. he studied under Paul Ricoeur because Paul Ricoeur like thanked him in a book. What? Like, not, like he dedicated oh. a book to Macron. You don't just like, phenomenology. Oh, out. No, I mean, but anyway, so the, but all, all I'm saying is that there is that kind of Silicon Valley innovation is great for its own sake thing, but there might also be this interesting kind of like uh, characteristically French education system right. thing. Right. Right. Yeah. Where, where there's a kind of like the privileging of the like culture in a vacuum <laughs> where we just kind of analyze things for what they are. And we don't get attached to labels and political kind of partisanship. Um, right. Cartesian stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the kind of like the and I'm sorry if this doesn't matter to anyone in the world, but like Jacques Derrida saying that he was a, a radical philosopher whose philosophy could not be applied to politics because politics was something different from philosophy. 
So there's this kind of like collision of centrism as a program and metaphysics of like kind of like and that you've written about where like it's kind of like Camus-ish and like everything's absurd and nothing matters and what are we even doing here? Therefore, yeah. investment banking seems like the best career choice for me. I hadn't thought um, of that as an analysis of his character. I will say that even though like, you know, France is really steeped in like, in this cultural heritage, probably because like the education system is like, decently good and like books are really inexpensive and for other reasons too but um like all of the like all of these french theorists like Foucault and Derrida and to some extent like um you know like the french feminists also like um Christine Delphi etc like all of this french theory it was kind of like assimilated into like american uh, thought and then it came back to France and French people were like this is some <laughs> bullshit like we hate this this um, isn't what so we meant at all this is the weirdest thing when, when yeah, I, I, well, French people really hate like um, a lot of the feminist I, well, I mean, you know French people that's like whatever but like there was this pro- proposition to like have a curriculum in French schools that like promoted gender equality and um, there were a bunch of parents who were like no to gender theory <laughs> And no, like, seriously. Oh, French women invented that shit. Can this we still catcall women on the street, though? <laughs> yeah. Shot call. <laughs> when I was, damn. Uh, when I was dating uh, uh, someone who was actually studying at uh, Ecole Normale Superior and then Seattle's Your girlfriend in Canada? Yeah, exactly. French <laughs> Canada, though. It was, it was Quebec. <laughs> I mean, come on. Oh, fine, fine, fine. Oh, my God. No, but I'm saying like it was it was, it was the strangest, Mount Royal. It was the strangest thing because I would mention these people like Derrida or Jacques, uh, uh, Roland Barthes, who were just like facts of the American Academy, and she would laugh them off like they were fucking ridiculous jokes. But then Saint Foucault, you can't say a fucking word against Foucault, and I'm like yeah. they're the fucking same class. That we get taught, they're 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 spoken in the same breath. Okay, but Foucault is so much more readable, though. Well, um, he, I feel and, and like he applies to real life. If you're talking about style, but I think they're talking about substance. Sure. Like, like Derrida is substantively <laughs> fucking <laughs> silly, and Foucault know. is not. But and the other thing is when I would bring up uh, French theory, uh, especially anything having to do with gender theory. Monique Batigue, any of that, the the seminal stuff, you know, seminal. uh, Good word. She would decry feminism and uh, you know, and mock all that stuff as a bunch of uh, PC nonsense. And it it was the most fascinating encounter. And I have no idea why I kept dating her. But (laughs) oh, did we just turn into yeah? I don't. you yeah. have substantive questions about Wes Anderson. If oh, you, you get sure to you that. just don't want a therapist? <laughs> but if you want to address... No, but I think that you do uh, make a good point, which is that, like, I don't know, in France, and obviously this is not, like, all French women, because I'm a French woman, and I don't think like this. It's not just because I'm Americanized, but, like, there are French women who are like, oh, well, feminism, that's for, like, these aggressive, assertive American women. We in France are more fluid, 
And we don't need like these categories and pitting men and women against each other. So they're it's using like, the rhetoric. Oh, you know, what they say is sexual harassment is just like flirting. It's fine. You know, there's that kind of way of thinking. They're using the rhetoric of gender fluidity in order to slam gender theory. Yeah, well, no, no, not gender fluidity, but like that things shouldn't be like put into, you know, the interactions or. Sorry. You know, I'm saying they're borrowing. Or fluid. They're yeah. borrowing the the spectral kind of metaphor of fluidity. Yeah, totally. To challenge the concepts of anyway, go ahead. No. Yeah, I mean it's bullshit. Um, you know, there was there was a law passed in 2004 um, with, that said that like women in hijab or girls in hijab could not, um, you know, go to public school wearing their hijab, and so like they're excluding those girls from you know from schools in the name of like emancipating them like honestly how how dare they anyway um Jean-Luc Mélenchon actually was one of the many many uh, mainstream political officials but this was back when he was in 2011 when he was still in the socialist party Jean-Luc Mélenchon opposed the candidacy of a candidate for a local office who wore the hijab um is that why you said he was problematic earlier? There are like several, I have several things written down. About Couldn't why have helped, right? <laughs> Without interrupting your point, could we get back to why he's problematic? At some sure. Point? Yeah, no, that was like kind of, um, yeah, leading into Minoshul. Um, Basically, he is, what? Sorry? No, I know he has sort of like, Sort of extreme views on the EU, right? Like, yeah, I mean, that's kind of like I don't know, a funny quirk of the French left, and yeah. like also, I don't know, it's not like the EU is great. No, 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 <laughs> of course not. You know, it's not, it's not that great. But leaving it is even worse. It's like Stockholm syndrome or something. But right. yeah, so like no, those, my it. like list of problematic minimal things. Let me start with the one that requires less explaining. Um, he, he, uh, made this statement, um, last week, I believe in the context of like French culture and whether it's like, whether it's like universal, um, you know, mm. he says, and I quote, I translated this, but it's basically exactly what he said. France is neither Western nor European. It is universalist because it is present on five continents. Now, the reason it's present on five continents is because of colonialism. Mm -hmm. He's really just, like, eliding that very neatly. Um, you know, French universalism is this, like, kind of myth. It says, like, you know, French values, whatever the fuck they are. I don't know. What are French values? Charlie Hebdo. Um, basically, yeah, French universalism is this idea that, like, you know, that these values are kind of applicable to everybody. and Implicit in that is this idea that these values should be spread across the world. Nothing problematic there, of course. Not in Antarctica or Australia. Yeah, just fucking, uh, you know, the sun never sets, but we're not going to, we're not going to, exactly. we're not going to, we're not going to imperially conquer Antarctica. So chill. Like, I wanted to ask you about the war on terror. Have you heard of it? Yeah. Um, you have? So in America, we have a very like, uh, like 
exaggerated like sense of danger at all times because of you know swarthy people or isis or whatever uh and we haven't had a meaningful terrorist attack since 2001 i'm thinking right depends on how you classify terrorism we have yeah no precisely god damn it don't god come on you guys have Uh, we honestly has america had any actual like yes Las, Las Vegas, Vegas was a meaningful terrorist thing. God the fuck up. The war on terrorism in like the neocon way is like we're at war with Muslims. Right? Yeah, yeah. Las Vegas is not well, what the I understand. It's a prevents. But this is like white people can commit terrorism, but it doesn't fall under the purview of like this racist construction of. The West versus the Orient. Mm-hmm. Sure, no, absolutely. Way, but Alex, like, right now you're doing the thing where it's like, why won't you say extreme Islamic radicalism? Why won't you say Muslim I'm not, terrorism? I am sitting my because conversation. No, 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 you're not. Yeah, you're, I you're, don't you're, fucking. You're, you're executing the conversation. Period. That's I am. I'm is. operating within like the parameters of like Bush's stupid, idiotic fucking war on terrorism frame, which is like. Basically, and Muslims versus white people, how which is fucking not, idiotic. How have we not classified that as the problem? My question. Okay. My question. My question was like, like it's obviously a faulty framing. It's stupid. It's racist. But let's go I, with I, it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, but like in America. We haven't dealt with any sort of like impactful uh, war on terrorism sort of shit in 16 years is Im- what I'm saying. Impactful, yeah. impactful actually is a is a much better because. Thanks for crawling back <laughs> on your hands and knees before I finish <laughs> my question, Patrick. I'm so, what Doug did it do? He Doug is handsome. More. Yeah, fuck oh, you too, shit. Doug. Sorry. I- Look, all, <laughs> all handsome people go. What I'm saying is, what I'm saying is, America has been scared frightened like crawling under the fucking covers for like almost 20 years and we don't have any reason to be but the distinction i'm trying to make here is in france it's different it's closer more like Mm. there are more attacks in france Mm. than there are in america more impactful if you will attacks more recent more recent you know like and like the the big uh, the the last few things in France from 2015 or whatever, which started this whole or not didn't start it, but uh, like made people think the state of emergency thing was just sort of a thing they would just keep around forever. I mean that was all ISIS, which is our new boogeyman, because Al Qaeda sort of yeah. lost uh, their luster around 2005 or six because no one cared anymore, and because we quote unquote killed Bin, bin Laden. Who is smoking cigars with Tupac? Go ahead. So what I was saying is that Americans are fucking frightened of something that hasn't happened to them, like, you know, materially in so long. Mm -hmm. Uh, Whereas in other parts of the world, in France, yes, in England, Germany, but like, yeah, obviously even more so in, you know, Pakistan or Lebanon or Indonesia or whatever, like they, they face a, like, literal threat of terrorism you know way way more Mm -hmm. so like my question before my my friends uh started fucking with me was like what is the difference in the way that like france and uh, america operate their 
stupid sort of existential wars on terrorism. Yeah, so um, I'm, I'm glad you say that because I think it, um, I think there is a really significant difference. So, okay, I think first, um, I'm, uh, do you want me to like kind of compare the Patriot Act and the state of emergency? Yes, please. Okay, so the Patriot Act <laughs> is like, this like sounds like a dumb assessment, but I feel like the Patriot Act is more like of a, it just like seemed more professional. <laughs> okay, by that I mean like there's all these provisions for like all kinds of like sophisticated surveillance mechanisms and the French state of emergency or the French anti-terrorism law, which is like, the perennization of the state of emergency into common law just is just like oh like the kind of shit that like you just do when you're a dictatorship you know what i mean well, um, okay. let so me just ask that's what quick. i mean by like professionalism um so can it's more ask, bureaucratic for sure can i just ask real yeah. quick mm -hmm. like can can first of all you just can you just say state of exception in french état d'exception or état d'urgence is what yeah, it's called. Yeah, right? Or yeah. Whatever. So, like, it, is France currently in the état d'urgence or whatever? Uh, I, I believe it is not because it now has passed this law that puts the état d'urgence into law permanently. I do want to go over the history of the état d'urgence because it's relevant to the difference between French and American and quote anti-terrorism well, so um, measures. This, this so is, yeah, the state of emergency was adopted in 1955 during the Algerian War of Independence after an attack by the independentist group, the FLN. And it was the state of emergency, which is what it's usually translated as, is like actually in between the normal state of things and the state of siege, which the government did not want to adopt because the state of siege transfers power to the army, and they thought the FLN would like be too gassed, basically. Oh, you adopted the state of siege for us. Like, haha, we really have you shook, you know? The measures included a curfew, closing off certain areas to pedestrians or vehicles, allowing search without a warrant, um, and so on. So it was used for 12 months, and then in 1958, it was used for three more months after um, a, some people who didn't want Algerian independence attempted to depose de Gaulle. Charles de Gaulle used it again in like multiple times in the 60s. It was used during a pro-independence uprising in New Caledonia in 1984 and also during the uprisings in the banlieue in, in 2005 in the, um, in the um, exurbs, like the poor neighborhoods of Paris. Um, so the state of emergency has its origins in colonial policy. And, you know, France's anti-terrorism policy is still very much a colonial policy. Um, so America, I think, in its anti-terrorism, like, is, like, it's xenophobic, right? It's, like, about the outsiders. A lot of the laws, um, you know, about surveillance, like, well, you know, it's easier to, to wiretap a foreign national. The way that, like... Okay, for example, you know, my mom is French. I'm a U.S. citizen. The way that, like, she's... The way that, like, we're treated when we go through customs with her versus when I just go through customs by myself, not the same. Um, right. You know, so America is, like, operating... Like, its national security thing is, like, a xenophobic 
thing. It's like the outside. And France is like, it's more like the enemy within, right? The fifth column. Um, and this is why, for example, any like leftist intellectuals who are like, hey, maybe Muslims are not literally the devil. Um, you know, now they're getting called Islamo leftists. Um, really? So yeah, there's like a whole like constellation of intellectuals. So the, the mass um, never Yeah, a prominent right like right wing or like conservative newspaper did a big feature story on the Islamo leftist intelligentsia that was like just, you know, some journalists and TV personalities who were like either Muslim or like did not hate Muslims with a fiery passion. That's my little spiel. Okay, but so let me just ask the this is this was the most fascinating thing for me when uh, Alex told me we were going to be doing this interview with you was that you had brought up two general categories of, of thought, which were Macron and state of exception. And that's what I was so curious about. Is France in a state of exception? And if not, and especially like the idea of legislating a state of exception removes the logically removes the idea of a state of exception because now you've made it the rule instead of the exception to the rule. So like it, it is, what is the fucking connection between Macron and, and, and state of exceptions other than the fucking meringue based confection Macron is a fucking exceptionally delicious. Uh, hmm. You mean like what, where does it fit in? Like where does his plan to do this fit in with like, where does this law fit in with like who he is and what his political project is? I yeah, yeah I'm, I'm asking. Like, do you believe he has plans for this? Has he announced plans for this? Or no, do you no, 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 no. They passed the law. Like, it's now part of the law. Like, that's done. Yeah, like what one is of the, the things, law. One of the things that you mentioned, and this is. Sorry, go ahead. What is the law? I don't want to interrupt. Oh yeah, so there was in in 2015. They had like a state of exception. It was voted on, and it like it was. It lasted for twelve days, and you have to you had to renew it, and they kept renewing it. Um, and now, um, they have passed a law that makes it permanent. So a permanent state of exception. Is I mean, they're not calling it that. They're calling it the anti-terrorism law. But yeah, they're prolonging the state of exception. Right. And yeah, no, I agree that that is fucked up because implicit in the state of exception is that like you need to suspend certain rights because like for the moment there are other priorities, but like it's not supposed to be the default. So, yes, I've listened to like four hours of lectures in the last week by this uh, reporter who has studied a lot about torture and, and constitutional theory named Mark Danner, uh, who. Uh, has referred to Agamben's work a lot, so I went back to Agamben's work, et cetera, uh, about states of exception. And he was trying to uh, sort of explain the Bush years in terms of this. This is not just like, okay, we're in a 60-day, fucking 120-day state of exception. We're in a indefinite state of exception. No, we're in a fucking permanent state of exception. Yeah. Because we're, in a, we're, we're now in an indefinite war against terror and until terror is 
uh, I guess, conquered, ended, whatever the fuck. <laughs> Yeah, you are in a state of exception, that works, which means right? you can win fucking permanently, right? And yeah, I mean, the word dictator um, comes, which to refer to like someone who is like kind of permanently an authoritarian ruler, comes from the Roman like guy who, under the Roman Republic, um, ruled the nation in like under a more authoritarian rule temporarily in cases of war. And then Julius Caesar was like, hey, I'm dictator for life. Um, right. So yeah, um, yeah, no, I'm, uh, like that's often how authoritarianism begins. Like, oh, well, you know, this is like necessary for the good of the people, like for now, but it's fine. We're gonna like, we're gonna return to normal right. later and then we never do. We've always been at war with East Asia. If, if fucking Macron is some fucking like theory nerd who jacks off to Paul Ricoeur or whatever, He's not. then who doesn't jack off to Paul Ricoeur? Nobody. But oh is, if, if, if this, if, if if we're talking about like a, a juridical theory nerd, then if you do something like institute a permanent fucking state of exception, dude, hang is on. like a, a nerd hang fucking. On. I think you're having like contradiction terms that fucking negates everything. I so, think like, he has like really severe authoritarian tendencies, as I have kind of hinted at with his like contempt for the people. Um, he loves like you know doing stuff by decree instead of voting it in parliament, even though he has a parliamentary supermajority. His um, group in parliament won't accept like won't really accept debate or amendments from like other. Um, parties, even though that's like standard procedure, like he comes from the business world, much like Trump, right? He comes from the business world. He's not used to being contested. That's it. That's that's. I don't think it's that deep. I think he just is like a business school bro who doesn't want to be contradicted. Yeah, he's a fucking idiot. Like I no, no no no. Hang on, hang on. I think this is. You're totally right, and this is the problem with focusing on individual personalities when you're talking about a deep bureaucracy that wants to like as Emily you mentioned like the the origin of the state of exception is to give power to the bureaucrats of the state rather than giving power to the army right which i yeah, and and, the police and, yeah, to the and like you totally you you absolutely are i think right to mention that like Part of this is we don't want to give the impression that we're shook, right? We don't want them to look at us and say, like, oh, we've handed over power to the, the military now. So we're now a kind of under, like, the rule of a non-law, right? Extra law. We're still in charge. The, the government is still in charge. And so that's great for us because now we get to make arbitrary choices. And, yeah, and so that, course, sorry, go ahead. No, and that's just the kind of the, the genius of the legal state of exception is that it's not about personalities and whether you individually believe in it. It's whether or not your position in an institution is rewarded by having all this arbitrary power. And you, I, it's hard to it's hard to imagine that Macron would be a, the kind of person who would say, like, you mean I get to do all this shit that I want to do that I think would be a good idea? And because I have philosophical beliefs, I'll abandon that. Absolutely. Like, that would be crazy for someone who's ambitious and technocratic, right? Yeah, I mean, like, you know, for a protester or soccer fan who gets an ankle monitor put on him under Hollande and his state of exception, 
why does it matter that like you know that now the state of you know the state of exception is like permanent it's the same you know like Amnesty International found that it curtailed the right to protest but that was the entire point um also Macron made a really funny Freudian slip uh he was speaking in New York when he was at the UN General Assembly like it was not at an event that was part of the UN General Assembly but he was speaking in New York and he said after party um, Something like that. I think it was at like the French consulate, you know? So yes, the after party. And he said like, okay, so I have a plan to, um, to leave the rule of law. Um, because he meant to say, I want to leave the state of exception, but he said, because the so rule of law is it's a droit and state of exception is it's a droit. And so he, he accidentally said he wants to leave the rule of law, but that was true. Uh, I want to thank you for coming on to our shitty podcast. Uh, I have one last question. Okay. Is uh, Doug's question. Uh, why is uh, backpack rap so popular in France still? Oh, I love this question because I love French backpack rap. Okay, go. Um, yeah, my Twitter bio is actually a French backpack rap quote. Anyway. Um, I think it's because all other forms of political expression are cut off, um, especially if huh. you're working class. Um, but even if you're like part of the political sphere, right? Like, as I was saying, the, you know, any like kind of leftish people who are like not super Islamophobic or actually who even use the term Islamophobia um, are branded Islamo leftists. Right. So like anti-racist discourse is like ha like walks a really, really thin line. Um, you know, basically, it's really hard to like to speak out against any injustice unless it is purely economic without being like called dangerous and like crazy and communitarian. Um, and so I think that that's why rap has like taken that place. And like there's a long tradition of like militant french um songwriting i mean just like in the u.s there's still ox and those people or whatever um, but not mc solara though yeah okay i only know who mc solara is because like americans always tell me that they listen to him in french class i've never heard a single song I, i'm i'm a you know who i like did i tell you my guy what's his name rof yeah. yeah i love Rolf. Yeah. yeah he's fucking great okay but so Doug shot me down earlier when I was trying to bring up uh, Macron's cougar uh, world. No, I wanted Wait, to talk I, about this. Can I but... say one more thing about French rap before we transition to that? Because I do want to talk about that. Yeah. yeah. But Macron, in a, so in a, um, in a rally at Marseille, in Marseille, he quoted a French rap lyric that's really, like, from a really iconic band, I Am, really iconic song called Born Under the Same Star. And he said, like, we're all born under the same star to mean we're not, we're all in this together, basically. However, the, um, the actual lyric is, we're not born under the same star. And the song is about entrenched social inequality. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where he gets this shit. I just don't know. That's anyway. The, no, but the, 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 just in terms of like the bullshit parallels between American politics and French politics, as superficial as they may be, that's like the perfect Donald Trump using you can't always get what you want for his <laughs> campaign rallies, right? Like, yeah, as, no, 
Life might be awful and Satan might be in charge, but I'm running for president. Isn't that terrific? As Michael Jackson once said, it does matter if you're black or white. If you want to be his lover. Oh, my God. So, um, but let's get to the cougar shit. Right. So, yeah, um, Macron and his wife, Brigitte, also my mom's name, Brigitte. Nice. That's, um, so they met with the, you know, with the loveliest meet-cute. Uh, she was his high school French teacher. Her son was also in his class, so I imagine just her son feeling so fucking tight about this whole thing. Did you hear that when he finally proposed at the age of 29, at the same age as her son, his apparent classmate, he asked permission to propose to the mother <laughs> what if he said no i don't know like but this is also a dozen years this is a dozen years after he initially promised to brigitte that he would marry where, her where at the age getting, of 17 where are you getting right fucking, uh uh, uh the internet no English fucking news. They don't lie. They're not allowed to. They're too right, proper. Right. Because if anything from colonialism. Yeah. Because um, British news is run by the state, a notoriously upstanding <laughs> instance. No, yeah. Go well, ahead, Emily. Right. People say if the genders were reversed, people would be all up in arms about this. But honestly, in France, you would be like, hell yeah, <laughs> to the male regime. So. I, I, I yeah, Brigitte's kind of the sleigh queen here, right? No, I don't. I don't. She's kind of a sleigh queen. I mean, okay, that's fucked up about this whole. But like, she's a sleigh queen. She gets like shamed because her skirts are too short. Like, I feel like that's stupid. She can wear whatever she wants, uh, and she's great. You know, but I don't really give a shit about their relation. Like personally, like I, if it's adult, it's consensual. I don't give a fuck. Like I, whatever. Like yeah. I well, I think that. Well, also, France has no age of consent, so it was legal. Really? It was always no. legal. No, I mean, I well, just, he like, waited until he was eighteen like, to get into a relationship with her, so he cares man. about American norms. Well, there's like there, you know, you there's like there's legal adulthood, but there's not an age of consent. So. Uh, no, I just like, yeah, legal. I, like, I I'm not even talking in terms of legality. Like, if if this is born out of you know real compassion and caring and love and I, I don't give a fuck like i don't care about the age difference in a relationship period um what i do care about is something that jacob keeps talking about is that at 17 years old at 17 like think back to when let's just take a quick poll around the five people on this podcast right now when you were 17 years old did you know fucking anything because i didn't this i think three of us knew a lot and i don't want to name who we are i definitely i definitely wasn't one of them I definitely Three. Yeah, I did not know anything, and I think you know it's, you're no match for a you know an adult who's like. Boy, was one of the something you want to. Yeah. It says to me that a 17 year old would walk up, would walk up to a teacher, uh, would walk up to somebody, uh, you know, it, what? Uh, how many years his senior? I don't. I don't. Ten, right? Well, Ten, yeah. Um, no, no, no. More than that. No, no, no. It's more than that. It's like 20. She was 39 when he was 18, I think. So like no, like, <laughs> no, I think, yeah, I, think no, that's right. Her son is the same age as him. Yeah, and he was that. 15 oh. when he met her, and his parents sent him to Paris to, to so he couldn't be around her anymore. Like they oh, tried to cut it off. 
But he okay. was so in Can't love with her. Do a movie. Let's 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 here's, write a screenplay about it. I'm gonna finish this really quickly and then I'm done speaking. Uh, but like at 17 years old, this person walks up to this individual and says, "I'm going to marry you one day." That to me speaks of an unbelievable privilege and fucking arrogance and ego and piece of shit type of mentality. But it's Disney. It's pure Disney. It doesn't matter if it's reality. That that person it needs to be knocked down a couple of fucking pegs. No, yeah, yes. Thank yeah. you. Okay. okay. So please, okay. please but, in, a, in a much more respectable direction because no, I don't, no, no. I think this is super important because there's like the kind of the the there is a an enormous amount of privilege that comes with the idea that you could be a young person who is like. A young I, white male who can walk up to a woman and say, I'm going to marry. Fuck that person. Guys, this is I'm such sorry. France. A young but male Patrick, becomes president. Shit. That was actually the title of my Google Doc with all of my notes is Macron's a little shit. Ooh, yeah. that's good. Nice. Patrick, are you no longer in love with the person you were in love with when you were 17? Because I bet you kind of are. <laughs> Well, okay, real quick. She is 23 years his senior. And he okay. met her when he was 15. I don't care. I'm don't just, care. that's just fact. That's just fact. I don't fucking, I don't, I don't know. Aspersions. People can fall in love with whoever they want to fall in love with. Whomever, motherfucker. Oh, right. Whomever. All right. All right. But that's, well, no, but this is, has like a bone to pick. This is yeah, no, fascinating because you're. Patrick, you're like, people can fall in love with whoever they want to, but fuck that guy for falling in love with that woman. Oh. All right. What's the bone to pick? No, no. um, Who who said uh, Patrick, right? I think Patrick has a bone to pick when he said uh, people can fall in love with whoever they want to. I may have been, but I, I was a cowardly piece of shit when I was in love with Angelina blank, 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 blank at 17 years old. Uh, I, Angelina KKK. <laughs> wow. Uh, I'm not. I'm not gonna. You know. But here's the other thing too. Is there like I look back on that now. It's like I, I look. I identified with the arguments of the right until like 10 years ago, and I'm 28 now. So like, do the math. That's I'm 18 years old, and like I was raised a young Republican. I look back at that, and I'm ashamed of the shit that I said when I was 14, 15, 16 years old, and and the shit that like. I, I honestly was just reciting because my parents had said these things. And so now I don't know why somebody, let me actually, let me connect it this way. The 17 year old Macron who walked up to a woman and said, I will marry you one day and basically implied that she didn't have a choice in it. Okay. So that's a 17 year old thing to say, right? Like that's yeah. a privileged entitled thing to say. He obviously has not done much to distance himself from the 17 year old Macron. Mm-hmm. As- as president, so so, I am completely ashamed of the fourteen through seventeen year old Republican that I was, and I have done a lot to try to distance myself from that. I've challenged my assumptions. I've tried to move through different things that I thought were you know. Stick off I a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah. uh, awesome. Uh, <laughs> but seventeen year old. Hashtag not all Hashtag unic life. Uh, <laughs> Unicorn, unicorn, and I. But I still, and I still Arn. have to continuously say that I am limited by certain factors, right? Like that's that's the humility. <laughs> act. 
17-year-old macaron. I, I'm fucking done. You lived it by the fact that you have no dick because you cut it off. I, <laughs> Emily. 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 <laughs> Emily. <laughs> thank you for coming on this stupid podcast. Oh, thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank, thank you so much. No, we'll, we'll definitely refine some of this, right? Whatever. Yeah. All right. Cool. And we'll talk about that uh, uh, that the dirtiness later. Uh, All right. <laughs> Absolute pleasure. <laughs> Mais c'est ça seulement voilà là Il semblerait que des cadavres Les îles caractérisés soient relevés Dans l'entape prouvé qu'avec le facilité Les erreurs du passé pas se renouveler Faire l'affaire des supporters De la croix de faire le bras Tendu en l'air le sigle rebelle en bannière Bomb, bomb, bang, man shoot moi sa double R Avec plaisir je les shoot dans la tête mais ma terre National et ce front international et l'affront Voilà pourquoi je fais front Fonçant les sourcils quand le gnome sénile S'amuse à faire un score de 25% Les conquêtes 
c'était les colonies On a déjà vu le résultat de ces conneries Alors va-t-on continuer à se laisser manœuvrer par la haine malsaine d'un déséquilibre mental Je vous rappelle qu'il prend la ségrégation raciale Je vous rappelle encore que cet homme n'est pas normal Et ce, depuis la déconvenue de la guerre d'Alle Chérie qui n'a pas digéré Mais nous on s'en bat les couilles, on n'était pas là Mais on est tous là de ce retour au même schéma Mais on est tous là de ce retour au même schéma Mais on est tous là de ce retour au même schéma Mathématiquement c'était sûr Se passer chargé n'a jamais ce qui est plus sûr Pour le futur, c'est qu'on aura droit à ce même climat, à ce même climat, à ce même climat Mais on est tous là de ce retour au même schéma Mais on est tous là de ce retour au même schéma